0: Friends and welcome to another episode in the Run Brighter podcast. This is episode number 56, and for those who are new listeners or those who just want a refresher, my name is Sam Brighter. I am the founder of Run Brighter, where we are building a digital running community through content that is fully free across multiple platforms. Obviously, this podcast, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. And I do coach runners fully for free, provide free custom running plans. And yeah, being part of this community online has been amazing for me. And I just want to thank everyone. And if you are finding value in my content, please go ahead and like this episode or let someone know about it. It would really mean a lot to me as I try to help grow this community further and further. But getting into the episode here what i am here to talk about today is my experience running the austin rattler 50k race and for those who don't know a 50k is equivalent to 31.125 miles and you know this race was not expected to be part of my running calendar i'll be honest when it came into this year i did not expect that i'd be running an ultra marathon this is an ultra marathon although it's the shortest ultra marathon you can probably sign up for nonetheless it is an ultra marathon. But, you know, moving to Colorado, I knew that getting into the ultra community was something that I was definitely looking forward to doing over time, but my focus has been running marathons. My goal of breaking a three-hour marathon, it still exists. For those who didn't see back in October, I ran the St. George Marathon and posted a time of 3.02. So to go from that and then to go just four weeks later, literally exactly four weeks from the date of the St. George Marathon, run the awesome Rattler 50K, was definitely not according to plan, and one would argue not the best move that I've made for my running career, but that's all part of the journey. We make mistakes, we grow from those mistakes, and we get better, and we don't regret it because it makes us a better runner. But the reason that I signed up for this race specifically was that my girlfriend, Colleen, she had been training for this race for quite some time. Me and her met at the Leadville 100. And this race, the special thing about this race is that it can actually, for many runners, be a Leadville 100 qualifier. You can't just get into the Leadville 100 by signing up. They do have a lottery. But throughout this race experience, if you beat the cutoff, which I believe is under eight hours or under seven and a half hours, it's a fairly attainable goal for most runners who You know are training for this type of race then essentially you get a coin and you can join um, the lottery which they do in person during the actual race which i thought was a really cool experience or if you place in your age class i don't know the full rules on it but i know if you're like number one in your age class and maybe a few other people who place also can automatically earn a spot into the leadville 100. there are other ways to get into Leadville 100 i think if you're like a lifetime fitness member or if you join their digital membership as well you have opportunities to get into that race my recommendation though was to look online but yeah actually it's funny when I first started talking to my girlfriend Colleen she told me that she was running the Austin Rattler and it was a race that was a qualifying race for the Leadville 100 and Leadville for those who don't know is located in Colorado it's about two hours from where I live in Denver and I kind of thought at first that the race was gonna be in Colorado too, even though the name was the Austin Rattler. I thought maybe someone from Austin just brought the race to Colorado and wanted to call it the Austin Rattler. Maybe it was named after someone named Austin. But I told her when we were just talking casually that I would go with her to the race and be part of that experience. I wasn't sure if I was gonna actually sign up, but I would join her. Little did I know that it was actually in Austin, Texas and you know a few months later i ended up signing up for the race myself with the intention of being a pacer for her in that race to help her accomplish the goal of finishing the race and running a time goal that she had set for herself signing up for this race was definitely a hard decision for me because I knew that after the St. George Marathon, I was feeling incredibly burnt out with running. I was incredibly sore and tired, fatigued for probably one to two weeks after that race. But then once I started feeling better again, I went ahead and I signed up for that race and really just spent two weeks doing some easy runs. I hit one run that was over 10 miles between the St. George Marathon and then going ahead and doing the Austin Rattler. And during the training, I'll be honest, I did not feel my full self, which is natural. After going for a very challenging time in a marathon, everyone recovers at different paces. Some people can go ahead, run a marathon, and then the next day run another one and feel good. That is not the case for me. That has never historically been the case for me. And maybe one day it will. But just based on how I feel after races, that's just not how it works. I need time to physically and mentally recover. That process can take a few weeks. It can take a few months sometimes for me. And so signing up for this race, like I said, it was a questionable move. I wasn't very confident doing it. But I went ahead and did it because I told myself that I was just there to pace Colleen and to see how I would do. The way the race is actually set up, it's not just one loop. You're running on a trail. Um, The terrain is very challenging. It's hilly. It's rocky. But the way that it's set up is you do this loop three times and there's an aid station after each loop. So I'm thinking, okay, if after one or two laps, I'm not feeling myself, I'm going to call the race off because I want to be able to run for my whole life. And making a sacrifice in a given day, just to be able to say I completed something is something that I told myself prior to the race I was not willing to do. But anyway, we drove actually, which was quite the adventure. We left from where she lives in Colorado Springs. On the way to the race, we stopped in Oklahoma City, which for those who've never been to Oklahoma City, it's actually a very nice city, very good hospitality, and I would say more artsy than I expected, the people there, very friendly. I don't know if it was just a weird day that I was there or whatever the case may be, but there was no one walking around either Thursday night or Friday morning, really. There was a few people we saw, but everyone we saw was great. So that was the first stop we made. It's not directly on the way. It probably added like another one to two hours to our trip, but if you ever look at a map from Colorado to Austin, Texas, which the race was actually in Burnett, Texas, which is about 45 minutes outside of Austin. But if you look at that map, there really isn't much. You essentially drive through parts of New Mexico and Texas that are very isolated farm towns and so not really a populated city that you want to spend a night in if you want to go ahead and enjoy your time and make it somewhat of a vacation as you're traveling to that race. If you just want to stay in a hotel, well, they exist, but there are periods in between where you might not see a hotel or gas station for close to an hour. So something to keep in mind. But anyway, after Oklahoma City, we made our way from there directly to Burnett, Texas, where we went ahead and went to Rikesville Peak Ranch to pick up our bib and race day supplies, as well as the shirt. And I'll be honest, I was very impressed by this ranch. It was in the middle of nowhere once you got outside of the town of Burnett, which the town of Burnett, by the way, is definitely it had kind of like a St. George feel to it, which is a race I did the previous month, where it was a smaller town, but You know, they have things like Walmart and Domino's and some cool restaurants and bars, but it's quieter. But it was the Texas version where St. George was in Utah. There were some beautiful mountains. This was more flat land and really had a Texas feel to it. I'm sure you can imagine what I mean by that. This ranch, you know, was about 15 minutes outside of the town and it was absolutely beautiful and massive. It kind of reminded me of when I was in summer camp back when I was in my teens, preteens, et cetera, we used to go to this place called Club Getaway, which was this big campground and everyone got together and they had all these amenities and activities going on. And this ranch had people staying there in tents or tiny homes. There was a beautiful lake and even like a little pool type area. And they had food trucks set up and it just was a really nice ranch. And outside of the home base of the ranch, was the trail and the path in which you go ahead and run the race. So we went ahead, we picked up our bibs, we headed over to our hotel. We had a nice Italian dinner. I'll be honest, normally I'm very clean when it comes to Italian. The night before the race, I was splurging a little bit on some cheesy pasta, ravioli sauce that I would normally not have butter. These things I don't do before a race, but I knew I was pacing and I wasn't concerned about a time. So, it wouldn't be a big deal if I ate a little bit unhealthy for myself because I wasn't taking the race as serious. Something to note too is I definitely didn't drink a ton of water like I normally do the night before race. And I also didn't take electrolytes like I normally do. Huge, huge mistake, but we'll get there. So anyway, we slept, we woke up that morning. It was very convenient and easy to get to the race from our hotel took us about 15 minutes to get there, maybe five or 10 minutes to park, not much of a line at all. We just got registered and went on in. And from there we hung out, we got our stretches in and got ready for the race. And I think the race started at 7 a.m. So at this point it was still a little dark, but the sun was coming up. And I think at race time, it was in the high fifties temperature wise. And for whatever reason, I wore a tank top and sweatpants for that first lap. I was just like, okay, this is just gonna be the warm up lap. It's gonna be nice and easy. Who cares if I'm wearing sweatpants? Let's also note, I had a backpack on my back that was like a camelback full of a gallon of water and then two water bottles that were filled, both myself and Colleen's fuel, and then my GoPro in my backpack. So I had a heavy bag as well. And so we start running and essentially, there's probably two to 300 runners in the race. Don't quote me on that, but it was not a huge race. But at the beginning of the course, it was a bit narrow. And so we're kind of running around runners and making our way in. We're running fast, we're running slow, we're walking. And essentially, we did that probably for the first half to full mile until the race really opened up and spread out. And I was really relieved once we got to the point. And as that started happening, the sun was coming up as well. So all good stuff and good vibes for the beginning of the race. But I'll be honest, as far as this course goes, I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't really research the course too much or anything like that. And it was incredibly hilly and there was a lot of turns. It was very rocky. You really had to constantly look down and be aware of your surroundings in this race. Otherwise, there was a good chance you would trip and fall. In fact, I trip and fell once. It was a very light, casual fall, but still it was a fall. And probably after three miles, the decision of wearing some of my thicker sweatpants that I was wearing during the race was a terrible decision. And so we kept moving though, we started getting warmed up and feeling the momentum, constantly amazed by the different scenery of the course and. I'll post some videos as far as what the course looked like here in the future. You may have seen it on my Instagram story during the race, but I have both GoPro videos and vertical videos that I will share. So something to look forward to, but everything you could imagine from lakes to different animals, there were cows on the course and just beautiful views everywhere we would essentially go and i also felt like the people watching experience was very unique for me because i'm used to running road races and this is my first trail race that i've ever done that's longer than a 10k and that's had as many runners as this one had so it was definitely a unique experience whether we were looking at what the runners were carrying and the different shoes and the fuel that they were taking which was very intrigued to see all of that but essentially as the race progressed probably when i got to mile five or six, you know. I told Colleen, I'm like, oh, I'm actually starting to feel good. After the first few miles, feeling tight, feeling hot. And then probably mile eight, nine, 10, I was feeling really hot when it came to my sweatpants because the sun kept going up. It kept progressively getting hotter. Probably by the time we got to the first aid station, we were in the low 60s, maybe even mid 60s at this point. And so it was really nice to get to the aid station to drop off my sweatpants, to refill our fuel but we were really in and out, probably in about two minutes after stopping there, we were back on road for the second lap. And I'm at this point feeling confident, fresh air going into my legs that I'm gonna be able to finish this race. I'm feeling confident, I'm feeling strong. And so we continued running. And really the special thing about getting to pace Colleen through this journey was the appreciation I think she had for me, being able to have someone really push her through it and keep her leveled through the race. So I really appreciated getting to have that experience with her, um, at this point of the race, you know, as we are getting into the half marathon mark. And then when we got to, I want to say like mile 15 or 16, something happened that one could argue completely ruined the race for me. I actually dropped my cell phone and... I don't know what it was about this race itself, but mentally, I didn't feel fully there. And I think it all comes to being mentally burnt out from St. George that when I was running this race, my subconscious was telling me that this was not where I was supposed to be that day. I need more time to recover, but I was doing it anyway. And so when I dropped my phone, I had no idea that I even dropped it because I was at this point too opening up my bag, grabbing fuel for me and Colleen, my headphone connections were slowly getting worse and worse because I was playing music as I was running the race. And so then I looked in my pocket and realized that I didn't have my phone. And I start kind of freaking out and bugging out, thinking that I lost it you don't want to lose your phone during this experience you're running with someone who you want to make sure is okay you're in a trail who knows what's going to happen i wanted to listen to music for the full race there's a lot of reasons you want a phone during a trail race so essentially it took me probably two or three minutes to actually find my phone i told colleen to not stop for me to keep going she was focused on her race i didn't want to stop her from accomplishing her goals And so eventually I was able to find my phone probably about two to 300 meters back. And then after I picked up my phone, I went ahead and actually I sprinted to catch up to Colleen. I wanted to make sure that I was with her through this entire experience. Well, that was probably the dumbest thing I could have done because from there my heart rate was really going through the roof and for the rest of the second lap, I was staying with her, but I was really, really struggling. My breathing was struggling and I honestly started feeling nauseous and dehydrated. And I was fueling properly during the race for what I normally do for a marathon, taking a goo every 45 minutes. But what I wasn't doing, that I definitely should have been doing, was having enough electrolytes. Because normally through a marathon, they're, they're handing out water and then some sort of electrolyte drink during the race, and I'll drink both. But during this race, I wasn't even really thinking about it. So I had brought an electrolyte pack but I honestly forgot to take it. And so at that point I was just getting nauseous. And so when we got to the aid station, I told Colleen, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm gonna try to finish this race, but I'm feeling nauseous, I'm feeling sick, I'm feeling dehydrated. I want you to go ahead and go without me and I will make the decision if I'm gonna keep going or not. But I don't wanna hold you back on your goal. You're feeling a lot better than I am, which I think at that point she was struggling a little bit too, but I knew she wanted to stay at the aid station for two minutes not for 10 minutes like me so i told her to keep going which i'll be honest was really hard for me just due to the fact that i knew from a physical standpoint i was fully capable of running with her the entire race but the way that i handled the race from a fueling standpoint and again running a marathon just four weeks before was not a strategy to be able to be there for her the entire race like i may have wanted to do but at this point, you know I'm okay with it because at the end of the day, I didn't have to do this race with her. I know she appreciated that I was there with her for the first two laps, but I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that it was really, but I'd be lying if I didn't tell you it made that third lap um, really challenging for me. And I'll be honest, that third lap, those last 10 miles were probably the hardest 10 miles that I've ever moved in my entire life because my body really just started to shut down on me in ways that I didn't really recognize was possible. And it was simply because I was incredibly dehydrated, which if you followed my content in the past, I have been incredibly dehydrated from running before, but it's only happened to me after a race. Never has it ever happened to me like this during a race. And so this was a new challenge. And what I told myself when I was ready to go ahead onto that third lap was that I was going to do my absolute best and after a mile or two, if I felt that I wasn't able to complete the race, that I would turn back. And I had a small feeling that this would happen where I would reach a point of struggle, but I would still give myself a shot to finish the race because I'm someone that doesn't like giving up and I push through a lot of challenging feelings in life. And when you're in that environment, that race environment and your adrenaline is pumping, it's hard to stop and to say, I'm not gonna finish this one especially when you pay for it and you want a (laughs) medal. So anyway, I went ahead and I fueled up and started just walking. I walked and I walked and I walked and I was listening to a podcast instead of music. I was trying to get my heart rate down and I was drinking electrolytes and fuel. And after probably one to two miles, I was ready to start running again. And so then I was running for like a minute at a time and then I needed to stop and walk because my heart rate was going up and I was really just struggling to breathe and I really felt like super quenched and thirsty. And that was kind of going on until mile 25 hit where I was doing that walk run. And then once I got to mile 25, I reached rock bottom. I got to the halfway point of the lap essentially and I knew that there's no difference at this point between turning back or finishing, it's the same distance. So might as well give my effort towards finishing. But at that point in the race, it was the hottest it was. And then also to add this part of the race wasn't covered by shade for probably another two miles. And so I got more nausea and dizziness and fatigue than I've really had ever in a race at mile 25. But something really special happened um, after a few minutes of really being at my rock bottom and feeling debatably the worst I've ever felt (laughs) physically and mentally in my life. I stumbled upon a nice guy named Chris who was sitting on a rock and he was running the race as well. This was actually his first race ever. I couldn't believe it. And I said, hey man, like, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? And he's like, oh, not the best. Legs are really tight. Like definitely not feeling great. And I told him, I'm like, hey, Chris, you know, I don't feel good. I'm really nauseous. I'm really struggling. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I can finish this race, man. And he's like, well, you know what? Why don't we just walk the rest of it together? And I'm like, Chris, that sounds like an amazing idea. Because in this race, yes, it, it was a community. Everyone was there to look out for each other. Something happened to me on that given day. I feel confident that someone would have given me the medical help I would have needed. Although there wasn't an aid station for another five or six miles. I believe one of the runners would have called for help and it would have worked out But having someone actually walk the race who happened to be in the Navy as a medic was the luckiest thing. I think that's really happened to me ever during a race because yes, I've had amazing times and experiences that have happened during a race, but never have I feared for my life, (laughs) as crazy as it sounds, like I did in that race. And so we walked, we jogged a little bit, and we even sat down and took a breath for a few minutes multiple times. And we were pretty much the whole time just bitching about how shitty we had felt and how much we were struggling. And How excited we were to eat food and lay down in our hotel beds and go to sleep and take a nap and there was parts of the race too where i felt like i was literally going to pass out and fall asleep i mean it was that bad and we were constantly getting passed by people and people were asking how we were doing and we just kept pushing through it in the best way that we possibly could And there were points that there were highs when we were having great conversations about life, about sports, about our careers. And there were lows when we were talking about how shitty we were both feeling. But we pushed through those final five or six miles, whatever it was, together. And eventually we got outside of that trail and we had that adrenaline rush of knowing that there was an end in sight. And we ran the last probably quarter to half a mile together. Felt so strong, felt so good and completed the race. And it was an unbelievably awful, yet amazing and powerful feeling to complete the Austin Rattler 50K. And Colleen finished the race in six hours and a few minutes, an unbelievable time for her first 50K, her first marathon plus distance in a race. So both of our longest races ever as well. She ran a really smart, strategic, strong, strong race, placed incredibly well, both as a female and with her age class, as well as the full race itself. Whereas I finished over an hour after her, but she was very supportive as I really needed help when I finished the race between fuel and water and a nice place to sit. So I'm just really proud of her and the race that she put on and how she paced herself and how she worked through it. And like I said, she was dealing with stuff too. She had back pain. She was even nauseous for a little bit. It sounds like that's a common thing going on in the race probably due to that high heat. I mean, it reached up to, I think the low 70s through that race, which is very hot when you start running a long distance like that. And when you're in a trail, it gets a little stuffy. If You ask me now, do I regret going ahead and doing that third lap? I don't because I know that it's going to build me up for future experiences and it'll make me stronger. But I will tell you that me doing that third lap was not a good decision on that day. I shouldn't have done it based on how I was feeling and you know it was putting myself at risk and so i do want to encourage people if you are in an experience like this and you're feeling that way to consider stopping walking breathing and getting yourself in that good place before pushing yourself to potential danger because that's really where i was but i'm really glad i got to experience this even outside of that experience the drive and stopping in oklahoma city we stopped in new mexico on the way back The trip was filled with a lot of laughs and smiles and just good memories that I'm really lucky to have. And I really think that pacing at that scale was something that was really so cool for me. I mean, I paced a runner for 16 miles in the Leadville 100. This was a very similar type of experience. Those are the only two ultras that I've been to and both of them I have had the luxury of pacing runners. And so I really think that if you're scared of running an ultra, pacing someone is a great way to get involved in the community. But if you've never done like a marathon Be strategic with signing up for these races. You really need to train super hard, I believe, as far as volume, time on feet. And so that's something that in the future, yes, I will run ultras. I don't know what my next one's gonna be. It's not gonna be for a little bit because I'm focused on my marathon goal. But the next time I do one of these experiences, I personally will want to go ahead and do a full training, go into the race with fresh legs and a fresh mind. But I will say though, the Austin Rattler, they did put on a really awesome race. I think that the course is very cool. It's a very special place to go. It was very organized logistically speaking. I think that maybe it'd be smart if they would consider having some sort of medic halfway through in the race just in case you need it. They did have someone biking around in the last lap of the race asking if anyone needed help, but I asked for help and he said he was gonna get me Tylenol and he never did, so. That was a little useless. So I think it is a little bit of a dangerous race to do, but any of these ultras really are when you're like in a trail, when it's hot, you sign these waivers for a reason. This is not a friendly Turkey Trot 5K. This is a race that is really going to get you in the pain cave, really challenging mentally and physically. And so if you're up for that, then I encourage you to go ahead and do that. And I'm happy to talk to anyone who might be signing up for this race about my experience a little bit deeper, answering any of your questions as well. But yeah, if you're curious as far as where I'm at after an experience like that, am I burnt down from running? Am I gonna stop running for a while? The answer is no, I am still motivated as ever. It took me a couple days off of running to just get back into it and get in my routine of running easy. The rest of 2023 is really focused on having fun with running easy running, a couple speed workouts that are shorter. And then I have a few races that I'm doing for fun. I have a Turkey Trot 5K that I'm doing the Thursday of Thanksgiving. The Sunday after that Thursday, I'm doing a half marathon with my mom where I'll be pacing her the entire race. And so both those races are in Florida. And then on December 17th in Denver, I'm doing the Ugly Sweater 5K where I might go for a time, but it's really, again, just gonna be meant for fun, not putting pressure on myself for PR. When it comes to next year, though, my focus is on breaking the three-hour marathon for the Chicago Marathon, which is in October. And so everything that I'll be doing from January on is going to be purpose-built to prepare myself for the Chicago Marathon. There will be other races I'll be running. I'll be doing a few half-marathons, some 10Ks, and even a marathon sprinkled in. That full schedule hasn't been figured out yet, but I'm excited to do those races, purpose-built to prepare myself for the Chicago Marathon with a goal of breaking a three-hour marathon. That's all we got though, friends. Thank you so much for your support as always. I appreciate everyone. Like I said at the beginning, if you don't mind giving this episode a like, leaving it five stars, depending on the platform, letting a friend know about this if you know someone thinking of running the Austin Rattler 50K or taking a general listen to some of my other podcast episodes. There's tons of education in here for beginner runners, inconsistent runners, but really runners of all abilities. So thank you again. I'll see you again soon. And as always, don't forget to run brighter. Bye.